day. Well, let me first read a poem about mothers that I came across. And I guess my value added to this poem is just the pictures that uh, <laughs> I, I looked and I found on the internet as well as my own uh, collection. Well, it says, Mothers are teachers. Mothers are disciplinarians. Mothers are cleaning ladies. Some mothers are gardeners and mowers of lawns. And most mothers understand that baking cookies is more important than washing windows too. Uh, that's my mother, grandmother with her two granddaughters. Mothers are nurses and doctors and psychologists and counsellors and chauffeurs and coaches. Mothers are developers of personalities, molders of vocabularies, and shapers of attitudes. Mothers are soft voices saying, I love you. And mothers are a link to God, a child's first impression of God's love. Mothers are all of these things and much, much more. Well, it is said that uh, in France, there were 69 kings of France, but only three were loved by their subjects. And those three were the only ones reared by their own mothers, as opposed to all the 66 who had tutors and guardians. And so they say, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And you all know the saying, right? Behind every successful man is a woman. But the truer saying is, when you tell the story of a good man, a great man, you must begin with his mother. Even if she's a horrible mother, she spent nine months bearing that child, that son, that daughter. And so we come to Mother's Day. All oh, the things we do on Mother's Day. Just that one day in a year. Some churches, I'm not sure if I've done that, I may well have, and for that I apologize. I would, I would say, hey, the oldest mother, please stand up. <laughs> or the youngest mother, please stand up. Or the mostest mother, meaning the one with the most children, please stand up. And then we clap. And then, but we're not going to do that uh, today. And as a more senior pastor, at least in age, uh, just this week, uh, or last week, I was, I was advising a younger pastor to always be mindful of those who cannot quite identify with the hype of a Mother's Day. There is the woman who desperately won a child but could not conceive. There is a woman who lost a child midway through pregnancy or delivery or abortion. And there is that son or daughter who is celebrating the first Mother's Day without mother. And we know someone here, right here today. Or the child whose mother actually abused him or her, or abandoned him or her. Or the person whose memory of mother is more painful than heartwarming. And so I intend my, my sermon today um, to cover not just mothers, but non-mothers as well. And so today we give gifts to mothers. And I know that some of us took close note of that. It's a notebook, so you take note, you get it? 
And, and fathers, fathers will get their gift next month. It's a sticky situation, but I'm not going to disclose to you what that gift is. It's just that it's sticky. And all I can say is that it is cheaper than a Mother's Day gift. But we fathers, we don't take note. Take note, notebook, get it? Well, I like all mothers to sit back and relax. And I like the rest of us who are not mothers here today to just stand up and to we pray together. And uh, if there's a mother next to you, just lay hands on her and we pray together. Shall we rise? And we'll just have mothers uh, sit down and, and really relax. Okay, so we pray together. Come, let's pray before to the Lord. Oh, Heavenly Father, we, we pray for, for mothers uh, this morning, those seated down, even those who are not here. God, that you would enable each one to come to Jesus, all who labor and are heavy laden, that they would first look to Jesus, that their yoke will be easy, their burden light, Lord. This is your word. Clothe them, Lord. Clothe them with strength and dignity. Grant to them a cheerful heart with humor to laugh at the days to come. Enable each one to speak with words of wisdom to their children, to their husband. And help each one to always stand in the awe and the fear of the Lord. And may all they do be richly rewarded and be rewarded with praise from their husband and the children and also from you, Lord. So bless our mothers, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Today we consider a very special mother. We consider Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I'd like us to read from Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 56. Let me read from the New King James Version. Luke chapter 1, 26 to 46. And now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month, for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, 
Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the baby leapt in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Oh, to 56 rather. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Saviour. For he has regarded the lowly estate of his maid servant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his seed forever. And Mary returned with her, uh, and Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. Mary. In the Hebrew, Mary is called Miriam. Miriam, you remember? Moses' sister. And it's the same. In Arabic, it's called Maryam. M-A-R-Y-A-M. You know what's the name of Mary? It is said that it means rebellion. Okay, I'm sorry, not such a good name. I know we have a couple of Marys here. But if we go back, uh, the researchers say, to the Egyptian root, then it means beloved. Okay, so beloved. In the Latin, you hear of this term Maristella, Maristella school. It means the star, the star of the seas. That's Mary. Anyway, you guys, you all know that if I had two daughters, I wouldn't call them Mary and Miriam, right? Because they're the same. What would I call them? Yeah, yeah. Very good. Faith and grace. <laughs> Except I don't have two daughters. Faith and grace. But what can we learn about Mary today? Well, I do not want to go the way of a particular tradition that has elevated and venerated Mary beyond all logical and biblical uh, foundations. Let's put our focus on God. What can we learn about God from the biblical account of his dealings with this teenage girl called Mary? A teenage girl visited by an angel called Gabriel. And given this incredible affirmation, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And so Mary was greatly troubled at these words. What kind of greeting is this? She may well be thinking, hey, I'm from Nazareth. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Why am I so favored? Why an angel? And then came the bombshell. The bombshell that she would be the biological mother of the Son of the Most High. It's a much, much bigger bombshell than 
than that which Moses and Gideon and Saul or Jonah has received. And if you think about these men who were greeted by the Lord, what happened to them? Moses was asked to set his people free from, from Egypt. And Moses said, who am I? Who am I? And Moses said, oh Lord, I've, I've, I'm not eloquent. Um, not in the past, nor now. And, and I am slow of speech and of tongue. Gave excuses. Gideon. Gideon was asked to save his people from the Midianites in oppression. And he said, but Lord, Lord, uh, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I'm the least in my family. Excuses. Saul. Saul was asked to be king. And, and Saul said, but, but I'm a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel. And my clan is not the least of the clans of the tribe of Benjamin. And then he went to hide among the baggage. Jonah. We all know Jonah. God asked him to go to Nineveh. He ran the other way. What did Mary do when God appeared to her? She didn't give an excuse. And as all women, she was pragmatic. She said, she didn't ask uh, who, what, when, why. She asked how. How? How can it be? I'm a virgin. And then came what is called the Annunciation. The Annunciation. The Annunciation is the announcement of the Incarnation. The announcement that God will come in human flesh. That God will come through Mary's womb. And the angel answered her and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, in her old age, in, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren in a, is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. That was the annunciation to Mary. And what happened next was that Mary drove a fiat. All the way from Nazareth to the hill country of Judea to visit her cousin Elizabeth. Actually, that's not correct. It's just cute. Uh, that's cute Italian car. The Latin, the Latin for Mary's response to the Annunciation is what is called Mary's fiat. It's a Latin word, fiat. It, it is a summary of let it be done. Let it be done. Let it be done according to your word. Angel Gabriel's announcement was that Mary would bear the Christ child. Mary's response was, Be it unto me according to your word. And this is the DM version, the Don Moen version. The King James version says, Be it unto me according to thy word. Okay, so just a little change. And in NIV, it doesn't sound so nice, doesn't sound so poetic. It says, May it be to me as you have said. Not so poetic. Be it unto me according to your word. And that is Mary's fiat. And then I suspect, even as she said that, be it unto me according to your word, I suspect that her whole life flashed before her eyes. Not the past, but the future. That she would be divorced by Joseph. That she would be disowned by her parents. That she would be despised by society. The world's first surrogate mother. But I think in her heart she felt, but if that, if that is what God wants, I am willing and I will submit. In other words, 
should let go and let God. You know, I, I don't really like this term, let go and let God. It's kind of like too blasé, um, sounds very glib, sounds very cheesy. But actually, it describes very well Mary's attitude. And because of this let go and let God attitude, God was able to do some amazing things because of her fiat. Be it unto me according to your word. First, the very astonishing and amazing annunciation, then a fantastic fiat. A ready response, be it unto me according to your word. And you would have thought that all after that would be hunky-dory. And they would live happily ever after. But soon after that, they had to leave Nazareth and travel all the way to Bethlehem because of some, some census that Roman conquerors decided to do. Of all times when she was pregnant, why the census? So inconvenient. And what was God's agenda for that? They may know, they may not have known that it was the fulfilled scripture, that the Christ child would be born in Bethlehem. And why no room at the inn? Why be born in a smelly stable? Why persecution? And after that, that they had to escape to Egypt. Why so many babies killed by King Herod just because of this Christ child? And why did all these babies die and mine live? And I, I believe that all Mary wanted was just to lead a normal life. Have a good husband, have cute kids, but God had other plans. And God had plans which needed Mary's fiat. Be it unto me according to your word. But God's grace was sufficient for Mary at every turn. She learned and she relearned that nothing is impossible with God. She learned and she relearned to let go and let God have His ways. Let God work out His perfect ways, which are higher than her ways, higher than our ways. And so time again, time and again, she had to let go and let God and, and time and again, it looks like she, she lost, but then she won. You know that Mary lost Jesus twice, both for three days. When Jesus was 12 years old, you remember the story? He was lost for three days and he was talking with learned people in the temple. Then she found out that Jesus had a godly agenda. Don't you know that I need to be in my father's temple? But still, Mary did not quite understand what that agenda meant to mankind or even to her personally, except that one day a sword will pierce her soul. You can bet she remember that, but exactly what does that mean? She didn't know quite yet, but she treasured all these things in her heart. Eighteen years later, she found out what this piercing her soul meant to it was extreme pain. That was when she lost Jesus a second time. Three days. The time between the cross and the tomb. In those three days, she knew that God was up to something and yet I don't think she really understood. But she continued to let go and let God. The last mention of Mary is in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. And she was listed as one among the 120 disciples then. And I believe then she fully understood. 
that her role in burying the Son of God who loved her and gave himself for her, and not just for her, but for all mankind. So let's dig a little bit deeper into what this let's go and let God means. One thing it means is to let others, to let others, let God's people minister to you. You know, it was, it was really, really tough on Mary, I believe, as a teenager, to be told that she would bear the Christ. But God didn't just leave Mary alone. He sent her a whole string of people to affirm and to encourage her. Sent her Elizabeth, Simeon, Anna the prophetess, the shepherds, the magi. And at the end of it all, Jesus had the apostle John take care of her in her old age as he announced from the cross. And that's the way God loves his servants. But today, let's look specifically at, uh, or particularly at Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, who had herself a miracle child in her old age, John the Baptist. God provided another pregnant lady with a miracle child, a cousin, to minister to Mary, who had a miracle child herself. You know, one of the most dysfunctional things in life is that when you're in trouble, you avoid all human contact. I don't know why that is. Sometimes it is due to pride. Sometimes it's just a lack of faith that God can help or that God will provide comfort. And especially that God will provide comfort through messy human beings. Who can help me? But soon after the Annunciation, And after Mary's fiat, she went to visit her cousin in the hill country of Judea. It was at least 100 kilometers. It must have took her four or five days just to get there. 100 kilometers south of Nazareth where she was. And you can imagine what happened when Mary arrived at Elizabeth's home after a long journey. It's something that I cannot understand as a man. I can imagine Mary and, and, and Elizabeth holding hands and jumping up and now, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. It's, it's something that they will do, right? But, uh, but I think that only one of them jumped uh, because Elizabeth was six months pregnant. She was probably holding her back like that and just doing this. Well, we, we talk about edifying and not crucifying. We talk about building up and not tearing down. And this is a fine example of that. In Luke chapter 1, verse 42 on, it says, In a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. And why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ear, my baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. That was that affirmation that God, through Elizabeth, gave to young Mary. And so in the end, it was about faith. And that faith can be strengthened. And that God will bring people into your life to minister to you, to to encourage you to strengthen your faith. And these are the people who obey. These are the people who obey Galatians 6.2, for example, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ, to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. These are the people who obey 1 Thessalonians 5.11, for example, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. And Elizabeth was such a one to marry. 
So you've got to let go and let God's people minister to you. And secondly, you've got to let go and let God's Word guide you. What follows from Mary's affirmation, uh, from Elizabeth's affirmation, is called the Mary's Magnificat. Magnificat, where what we read earlier from Luke chapter 1, 46 to 55. It was Mary's prayer. It was Mary's song. And many famous composers have put those words into music, like Vivaldi and uh, Bach and Rachmaninoff. They've set this prayer to music. And, and I remember my pastor from, from Hong Kong when I was uh, working in Hong Kong. He visited PPH many years ago. And the sermon was on Mary and the Magnificat, Mary's song. And, and this pastor is someone I, I really respect because he is such a scholar. He is the one person whom I know has the largest Christian library, personal library, as well as CDs. It's like you go into his office, you can have just about any Christian book uh, is there. And, and he's read them all. And um, he said to me at the door, I remember, Say a test of the preacher is whether or not he will connect Mary's Magnificat with Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel 2. I thought, oh gosh, oh gosh, I, I hope my speaker, I wasn't speaking that day, I hope that this guy will refer, this guy was Richard Chia. Otherwise, PPH will lose face in front of this young biblical scholar. Uh, but I need not have worried, I need not have worried. Huh? Predictably, Richard referred to Hannah's prayer as he was preaching about Mary's Magnificat. Why? Because Richard was steeped in God's Word. Mary was also steeped in God's Word. Why do I say, let God's Word guide you? Every verse, every sentence in Mary's prayer, in Mary's Magnificat, has its source from the Old Testament, from the Bible of its day, mostly from Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel chapter 2, but also from the Psalms, from Habakkuk, from Deuteronomy. Last Wednesday, we had our prayer meeting and we prayed for mothers and Linda was leading us in, in prayer and today I used her example. You remember when I prayed just now for mothers, what did I use? I used Matthew 11, 28, 29. Come all who labor and are heavy laden. I used Proverbs 31. That's what she did, and I just copied her, a mother and a grandmother. To pray using the words of Scripture, to be so steep in the Word that when you pray, it's just a natural outflow of the Word of God. And Mary's got to be steeped in the Scriptures in order to pray like that. She must have hidden the Word in her heart and turned those words into a song, into the Magnificat. And it was that God-focused prayer like no other. In that prayer, Mary referred to God has, He has, He has, He has, nine times. He has been mindful of the humble estate of Mary. Mary was just a teenage country girl from an Ulu backward town called Nazareth that people say nothing good can come out of. And that God, He has, God has known our frailties. That He has, that He wants to bless us. That He has, that He wants to do great things 
for us. That He has, that God has mercy on us. That God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. That He fills the hungry, the hungry heart and the hungry soul. That we can count on Him for help. That He has helped His servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and Abraham's descendants forever. And we are the children of Abraham. So let God's people minister to you and let God's word guide you. God provides people to minister to us. God provides his word to guide us. When I visit the poor, the desperately sick, those who have been given six to nine months, what do I do? I don't, I don't have human words. I read Psalm. I read Psalm 27. Sometimes I read Psalm 145. I read to them John 14. I read to them John 16, 33. I've got to use God's word and God's word gives comfort. I remember many years ago, I was uh, very discouraged <coughs> and hasn't been too many occasions when I thought I would leave PPH, but that time I thought, I felt so misunderstood and I felt like giving up, but a group of brothers came to my home and ministered to me in prayer. That's why I'm still here today. God provides His people to minister to us. Just last week, these words from Jonah I tell you that my choir time is like Old and New Testament, and I'll read a chapter each <clears throat> at least. And these words jump up at me. Say, is it right for you to be angry? Three times. God told Jonah, and those words, taken totally out of context, ministered to me. Have you any right to be angry with your fellow workers and whatever? God provides His Word to guide us. And my response? My response is to drive a fiat. Not the Toyota. <laughs> okay. What is a fiat? Be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me according to your word. Last week, I conducted the easiest week service I have ever conducted in my life. I was supposed to be the minister. But God's people ministered to me. I was told, no need for sermon. I said, yeah. The family of the deceased will do everything from worship leader to worship musicians to scripture reading to many, many eulogies to a slide and sound show commemorating the mother and grandmother. All I did was opening prayer and closing prayer. And at this funeral, did I hear eulogies about what a great woman she was lying in a casket, that she was a successful career woman CEO of a company, ever since she took over the company, profit has risen X percent. And the share price rose by 10,000 percent. Never, never in all the funerals have I done was career success ever mentioned. That, um, that her earthly possessions, wow, she's got a Rolls Royce, she's got a Lamborghini and a couple of Ferraris. Never, never. That her house has 50 rooms. She had the largest diamond among her classmates, the most handbags, the most shoes. Never. What I heard last week was an amazing lady who brought up and was the matriarch of 11 children, 16 grandchildren, 12 great-grandchildren, a mother par excellence. It was truly inspirational, especially when the eulogy is told of difficult times in the family that they had to split up because there were so many children and, and they were financially 
uh, are not well off, split up the home into three homes, one grandmother and two aunties. Imagine as a mother, have the home split up into three. And how she held the family together, even as a widow. I'm talking about Edwin's mother, I'm sure you know. That was the eulogy. It was an inspiration. And then I wonder about Mary's eulogy. When Mary died, and she did die, okay? It's not that particular tradition that says that she never died and she, she just like popped up into heaven. What did her adopted son, John the Apostle, say in the eulogy? What did her blood son, Apostle James, say in her eulogy? We know that she had at least six children other than Jesus. Okay, Matthew 13 tells us that she had uh, James, James, Joseph, Simon, Judas, and the sisters. Okay, Unfortunately, didn't name the sisters, but since it says the sisters, at least two. So six, uh, at least six. Scripture did not record her eulogy. But we know what God said about her. We know what God said about Mary. In the non-King James Version, God will probably have said, that's my gal. But not like that. Nah. He says, you who are highly favoured, blessed are you among women. Blessed is she who believe that what the Lord said will be accomplished. That is what God said about Mary. What God said that about us. And what were Mary's last words? Okay, it wasn't on her deathbed. It was at the wedding of Cana. That's the recorded last words of Mary. What did she say? <coughs> Do whatever he tells you. Do whatever Jesus tells you. That was the last words. In other words, drive a fiat. Drive a fiat. Be it unto me according to your word. Just do whatever God says. Let go. Let God. Let God's people minister to you. Let God's word guide you. Let's close with a song. What can that song be? It's got to be Don Moen's song, right? Be it unto me according to your word. And ask the musicians to come and lead us in the song. Use this song. Use this song to, to be a prayer and let it minister to you. Be it unto me according to your word. Let's stand, shall we? Be it unto me, 
according to your word, according to your promises, I can stand secure. Put upon my heart the truth that sets me free, according to your word, oh Lord, read it out to me. Time for us to respond to the Lord. Would you, would you let God's people minister to you? So I'd like to open up the altar and let someone minister to you. Let someone pray together with you. And as we pray, let God's word minister to you. How incredible it was for Mary! It can be similarly incredible. For us, as we bring our burdens、um, to the Lord, as we can say and have someone stand alongside us and and say and pray to get together with us, the fiat, be it unto me according to your word. We let go and we let God minister to us. So as we sing the chorus one last time, I just ask that you. Come quietly forward, and and as we end, those who need to leave can leave, but we'll we'll just continue praying by yourself with someone. But let's pray that it will really be unto us according to God's word. According to your word, this is our prayer. 
Lord, as we surrender to you, we know that you have the best lined up for us. God, I want to pray, especially for those who are disappointed or disappointed in God even. Lord, that today they will receive a word of encouragement that you have the best for them. That we let go, we let you minister through other people, through your word. And I pray especially in the words that you have ministered to Mary, that you have ministered to Hannah, you will minister to us. Be it unto us according to your word. And so we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Believe.